wonderful song. And Father, we focus upon thee. Father, may our hearts be attentive to thy word and may our ears listen and may we respond to what you have to say to us as we walk in obedience to it. And we pray all this in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. Amen. Well, if you'll take your Bibles with me, would you turn to the book of Colossians? The book of Colossians, there in the New Testament. We're beginning a new series of this tremendous letter the Apostle Paul wrote to a little tiny church in the town of Colossae. And this, this little town, as I, as I studied it, read about it, you know what it reminded me of? Jonestown. I mean, it was that kind of a little town. So I want you to, when you read this letter, I want you to imagine that the Apostle Paul is writing to us. He's writing to this small little church here in Jonestown, Pennsylvania. And he is going to be covering a number of things. He's going to encourage them. And we're going to see that this morning in our first part. But later on, we will see one of his purposes for writing this letter is not only encouragement. Uh, of course, the overall theme is hope. We will see that hope in Christ and the preeminence of Jesus Christ. But he will be uh, mentioning the problems that were seeping into the church uh, through false teachers. False teachers had come, and some of them were Jewish professing Christians. But what they did is they brought grace and law. And they tried to teach this among the new believers here in this little town of Colossae. And it, so it was, uh, they were, they were all, all of a sudden there were these uh, uh, new teachings. Like, you know, you've been taught about grace, the, that grace, we were saved by grace through faith. But then all of a sudden someone comes in, ah, but, you know, you can't for, forget the law. The law, you, that must be part of your life obey the law and all its uh, the Jewish traditions. And then on top of that, we have the Greek culture seeping in. Greek philosophy was also mingled in with this false teaching, this heresy. And that was the idea that, well, you're saved. Yeah, that's, that's good. But you haven't really arrived. You have to reach another plateau. Now, we all have to grow in Christ. We know that. But this was something that came out of the Greek philosophy. And that is that there's a higher knowledge of God and of walking your life that you need to know. And only a select few are chosen to, to, to really understand this higher knowledge. And so with that, plus the, the Jewish teaching, it all jumbled up and it, it began to build what is called 
Gnosticism, the heresy of Gnosticism in the first century. And so that is basically what it was made up of. And also included in that, Paul is going to have to mention another problem in the, in the middle of all that is they believed, these new false teachers believed in the worship of angels, the worship of angels. So we're going to get into that a while later as well. But here is Paul's precious letter to this tiny church. And if you look at me, verses 1 and 2. We're just going to look at verses 1 through 8 this morning. But we're going to see in these eight verses um, the key to bearing fruit. Bearing fruit is Christ. Verse 1 and 2. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ who are at Colossae, grace to you and peace from God our Father. Now we notice right off the bat, uh, as Paul does many times, and they did this when in ancient times when they wrote the letter, they would start by putting down the author's name, their own name, the one who is writing the letter. And so Paul does this. But notice Paul addresses himself. Now, other, other places, other letters, he has addressed himself as a servant of Jesus Christ, as a slave of Jesus Christ, as a prisoner of Jesus Christ. But here he uses the term apostle. Do you see that? Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. And usually when he starts a letter using the title apostle, he's trying to get across to the church that he, they must understand he's writing from a position of authority that God gave him. That God called him and set him apart for the apostolic ministry. Now, he, of course, we know he wasn't one of the 12 to follow Jesus, but he had a personal encounter with Jesus Christ and met him on the Damascus Road and was given a commission. And so because of that meeting, he is actually the uh, one that was actually added to uh, the, the apostles. Uh, he was given that title biblically. Now, today, there are no apostles today in the biblical sense. But here, Paul is, is laying it out. I'm an apostle, so listen to what I have to say, dear church. He says, by the will of God. Notice he, he's making clear that I didn't choose this. But God chose me and put me into the ministry. And I think... Uh, many times uh, it's easy to uh, get, get pulled into something that maybe uh, that we think that, well, I think I can do this. Or we, have, we see someone else do it and say, I want to do what they're doing. And so we want to exalt ourselves and for the wrong motives. Many times it can be a selfish motive a jealous motive that we, we want to be in someone else's position. And that may, be not, may not be God's will for us. 
And yet what we do is we, we force ourselves, we do whatever we can to get in that position. And then once we get there, things start to happen in a negative way. And suddenly we find that we really don't have God's blessing and favor on us in ministry. And why is that? Well, many times it's because we did not seek the will of God when it came to that position and ministry. Every ministry is a calling. If you're working with kids, you're a helper in Sunday school or you're teaching Sunday school, or you're helping with a Bible study, or you're doing other things for the Lord uh, to administer to the body of Christ, every one of you, that's a calling. And you find that calling, God will place it on your heart, and it's an inescapable pull by the Holy Spirit that says, this is what I want you to do. In Paul's case, it was a direct confrontation with the Lord Jesus who stopped him in his tracks. But just a reminder how important it is to see those words, by the will of God. And then he adds, oh, and this letter is also coming to you from Timothy, our brother. And of course, we know Timothy traveled with Paul and he was um, a pastor, we believe, in, in Ephesus, but also was a missionary, traveled around uh, sharing the gospel with the apostle Paul and was with him constantly. So this is the Apostle Paul writing, verse 2, to the saints and the faithful brethren in Christ who are at Colossae. So he's telling them that they are the saints and the faithful brethren in Christ. Now that word saints, to the saints, some translations put the word holy, holy and faithful. And that the Greek word for that means saints or holy and maybe you didn't realize that the word saints uh, in the original language means holy ones and so uh, either one is is perfect for this uh, this translation but to the saints the holy ones and faithful brethren in Christ who are at Colossae then he says grace to you and peace from God our father and this was of course a normal greeting of many of Paul's letters. And it was a way of, of asking, saying, I'm, I'm praying God's favor, grace will be upon you, as well as his peace. But now we are going to come to verses three through eight. And as we step into these verses, what's interesting to note is that Verses 3 through 8 is one long sentence. It's one long sentence in the Greek. And so therefore they made it that way in the English translation. Okay. So this kind of, it, it should all run together, but we are going to break it up as we go along. But let's just read it together. Verses 3 through 8, if you'll follow along. We give thanks to God, the father of our Lord Jesus Christ praying always for you since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love which you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven of which you previously heard in the word of truth, the gospel, which has come to you 
just as in all the world also, it is constantly, here's the term, bearing fruit and increasing, even as it has been doing in you since the day you heard of it and understood the grace of God in truth, just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow bondservant, who is a fellow servant of Christ on our behalf. And he also informed us of your love in the spirit. Now that's one long sentence. (laughs) So we're going to break this up a little bit because there's so much in here as Paul begins his letter to this, this small church, this faithful church, who has been seeking to grow in the Lord, and, they, they, and, and we're going to see some of their qualities, the qualities of this church. And I, these qualities I have seen here by God's grace at Jonestown Bible Church. I've seen it in you, in the family here. So let us pick it up at verse 3. Paul says, we give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. Uh, This again, the Apostle Paul has told many of his churches that he was praying for them constantly. Pray without ceasing. And so prayer for them was on uh, on the heart of the Apostle Paul. And he's reminding them, guess what? I want you to know I'm praying for you. How many of you have been encouraged when someone has come to you and told you, by the way, I'm praying for you. I know what you're, I've heard what you're going through. I heard of your loss. I heard of the, the news you got from the doctor. I want you to know I'm praying for you. I'm here for you. What that does to our heart when another uh, brother, sister in Christ comes to us and tries to lift our burdens through that, that is such a comfort and strength, knowing that someone is praying for you. How wonderful it is. And Paul's reminding them, I'm praying for you always. And notice he says, we give thanks to God in our prayers. So this is a prayer of thanksgiving. He's, he's thanking God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He has this gratitude. Well, what's he grateful for? Well, we find this out in verse 4. He then goes on. This is the reason we're praying always for you and giving thanks to God. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus. We'll stop there. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus. The Apostle Paul and Epaphras who we believe was the founder of the church at Colossae, he came to Rome, and this again uh, is, this epistle is a prison epistle. The Apostle Paul was in a prison at Rome at this time. Okay, so I want you to understand, he's writing this from, from Rome in a prison, and Epaphras had come to him to minister to him in Rome, But he brought news of this little church in Colossae. Now, the Apostle Paul, from what we know in the New Testament, Paul never went to Colossae. 
he never got the opportunity. He did not found the church. So he's writing to a church that they've never seen his face, that he didn't found. Epaphras, we believe, is the one who brought the gospel to them. He was the missionary who, who planted the church with the gospel, and many were saved. And so keep that in mind, because Paul is now saying, this is what I heard. I didn't experience it in person, but Epaphras has told us this. We're giving thanks to the Lord since we heard of your faith. Heard of your faith. I pray that when people hear about Jonestown Bible Church and the family that's here, that they hear about our faith, that we are a church that stands upon the word of God and our faith is in the Lord completely and not in anything else, but our faith is in Christ and our faith is in what God promised. Oh, this faith, this church, they had a faith that kept them going and kept them strong. Yes, sometimes doubt, doubts would set in. And see, here was the problem that Paul was trying to deal with, with these, this false teaching seeping into the church. Some of the, the, those in the congregation their faith was being shaken a little bit. Suddenly doubts have crept in. Have you ever had a doubt creep in about certain truths? Suddenly you turn on the TV, right? Or you're streaming online, watching YouTube. And suddenly you're listening to somebody and uh, it doesn't line up with what you have been taught from the word of God. And suddenly it, it's, it's different. They're adding things to the gospel. And suddenly your spirit is kind of uncertain. But what can happen is if we listen to the enemy too long, those lies can seep in and begin to affect us. And how important it is that we discern as we begin to listen to other preachers, teachers, that we make sure that as we begin to listen, are they, what they're saying, lining up with the word of God? Don't go by feelings. Don't go by, but that sounds good. That sounds Christian. We've got to be so careful, dear friend. And that's why Paul is writing this letter. He's concerned that their faith stay strong. And their faith was certainly put into action. And we see this in a man in the first book of the Bible. Turn to Genesis with me, if you would. Let's go to Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12. And of course, here is the account of God making himself known to Abram, who would then change his name to Abraham. But here, Genesis 12, verse 1. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go forth from your country and from your relatives, from your father's house, to a land that I will show you, and I will make you a great nation. And I will bless you and make your name great, 
And so you shall be a blessing, and I will bless those who bless you, and the one who curses you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Here's what we call the Abrahamic covenant. God was making a covenant with his man, Abram. And he's giving him a promise. This was just grace, the grace of God shown to this man. But God chose him and said, I'm going to make of you a great nation. But what did he say to him? He said at the beginning, go forth from your country, from your relatives, from your father's house to a land which I will show you. Here's a man. Suddenly he's told by God, it's time to leave. I want you to go that way. I have something to give you. I have a land, I promise you, where all your descendants will be blessed. But what you have to do, Abram, you have to leave your home. Everything, your comfort zone. You have to leave what, what, what you've known all your life. You have to leave your father's house behind. And your mother, take your immediate family, and follow me. What, uh, who, who does such a thing? If, if you were asked to do this, would you pack it all up and say, Lord, okay, I don't know where I'm going, but I'm heading that way. You're going to show me. You haven't given me a map, but I'm going to follow you. And here is Abram's response. Look at verse four. So Abram argued with the Lord and said, no, I'm not going. Is that in your Bible? No, wait a minute, no. So, so Abram went forth as the Lord had spoken to him and Lot with him. Now Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. 75, how many of you are 75 years old this morning? Don't, y'all, you can't even raise your hand. Okay, I know some of you are 75. I'm getting, I'm 67, so I'm getting there. I'm catching up to Abraham. But, but here, 75 years old, have you ever, when you were in your older years, some of you elderly saints, um, have you ever had to suddenly pick up everything and move? Some of you have. And you know that experience and you go to a place, a new place where you've never been, new people you got to get to know and you're going, oh, I really don't want to do this, you know, but sometimes you have no choice and suddenly your whole world is turned upside down, new community, new everything. This was going to happen to Abram. But what do we find? We find that Abram listened to the Lord and Abram went forth. No complaining, no, but God, I'm not sure about this. What did he do? He immediately obeyed the Lord. You see, and that's what the gospel is to us. The gospel, as we present it to the world and when it was presented to you and me, 
The gospel was given to us. It was a calling, a calling to follow Jesus Christ. And he's saying, trust me. Trust in my salvation. Trust in my death and resurrection. And I will give you forgiveness of sins, life everlasting. And by the way, follow me to a promised land. I'm going to take you to a promised land. You've never seen it. You don't know what it's like. But trust me. And you folk, there was that moment in your life where you believed it. You believed God. You believed the gospel. And you said, yes, Lord. And you went forth like Abraham. Here is a beautiful picture of faith. And this is the faith that Paul saw in this little church in Colossae. So if you'll turn back with me now to Colossians. Let's go back to Colossians. Here he is mentioning their faith. First, their faith in the gospel which we will see a little bit later he talks about, their faith in Jesus Christ. Notice he says, since we heard of your faith, verse 4, heard of your faith in Christ Jesus, when they trusted Christ and, and they, they have remained faithful to Christ. Secondly, verse 4, so he's thanking God for their faith. Secondly, since we heard of the love which you have for all the saints. Paul is now saying, we've heard of your faith. We've also heard that you are a loving church. A loving church. You have that love for one another. The brotherly love. One of the most one of the most, uh, uh, I guess, greatest wishes and prayer, uh, pr- pr- prayer requests that I had as I was about to come to Jonestown Bible Church, it was this, Lord, may we just together become a loving church. May we love you first. And love one another as the family of God should. And I am so thankful after 17 years. Yes, we've had our waves. We've had our ups and downs. We've had, every church has problems. Uh, There's no perfect churches. There's always going to be, how many of you have ever uh, argued and fought with your brother or sister at home, right? When you're growing up? I love the kids saying, yeah, I did. Yeah, thanks for being honest. That's right. You did. It's because you love each other, but we live together. And so we're, we're going to have conflict. We're not going to disagree on some things. But guess what? I'm going to love you anyway. And you love one another no matter, no matter what. That we may differ on certain things. But yet we are a family, the family of God, and that we might continue to build one another up in the love of Christ. And that's what Paul was hearing. This church was a church that loved one another. John wrote in 1 John three fourteen, we have now passed from death into life 
because we love the brethren. He, John says, we, now we know that we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. What is one of the greatest evidences that I am a Christian, that I am saved? It's when I have a love for you. You have a love for me. We have a love for one another here in the church. To other brothers and sisters, you may not know well, but you love them because you know that they trust the same Savior you do. John is saying, you can, this is a demonstration. Jesus said, by this they shall know that you are my disciples if you what? Have love one for another. Oh, that we might continue to have that love like the church at Colossae. So verse four, he mentions, we're praying and thanking God for your faith, your love for each other. Verse five, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, which you previously heard in the word of truth, the gospel. Here it is, this final uh, characteristic that defined this church. Paul says, and I'm thanking God because your faith and love comes out of what? Verse five, you have the faith and love because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, which you previously heard in the word of truth, the gospel. When they heard the gospel, the gospel was taught to them they were told about the heavenly city. They were told about that heavenly promised land where we are. <clears throat> you can go if you place your faith and trust in Christ. He gives everlasting life to all those that would believe. And so with that in the gospel, we come to Christ because he gives us hope. Hope of eternal life. And a hope beyond this life and treasures that we can't even imagine. Heavenly treasures that, that we, we can't uh, even begin to speak of. There are things that there that, that are just, uh, I think we're just going to be in awe when we get there. The things God has prepared for us, for those who love him. But because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, they were clinging to this hope. Now, this word hope is not, oh, I hope so. You know, it's like you kids. When Christmas comes and you ask mom and dad for a gift for Christmas, well, something you really want, right? And you, you tell them what you'd like for Christmas. So what do you do up until Christmas comes? I hope I get it. I hope they give it to me. I hope I get, the, I hope I get this gift. I hope, I hope, I hope. This is not the Christian hope that Paul is talking about. In fact, this word hope here is not wishful thinking, but it's a full confidence and assurance in what God said about Jesus Christ, about me, and about what I have inherited through Christ, what he has given to me. And it's my hope is in assurance. I have the assurance that 
that God has something prepared for me, and I'm not hoping so that it's going to be true. I believe it's going to be true, and I can't wait to be there. I can't wait to see it. Turn to 1 Peter chapter 1 with me, if you would. Go over to 1 Peter 1, and again, one of my favorite passages, verse 3 through 5. Verse 3 through 5. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, 4, and 5. Peter writes to the churches, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to what? What do you see there? A living hope. We were born again to a living hope And why do we have this living hope? Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Because Jesus rose from the dead, I have a living hope that I'm going to live beyond the grave. The grave's not the end for me, but I'm going to be raised from the dead one day. My soul will go to heaven when I die, but my body will one day be raised incorruptible and receive a glorified body. Then he goes on, verse 4, to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable, undefiled, and will not fade away, reserved for you in heaven. This is what basically Paul was saying to the church of Colossae in his letter. There's an inheritance. There's an inheritance that is undefiled, imperishable. It won't fade away. And where is it? It's, in reser- it's reserved in the Fort Knox of heaven. Do you have that hope this morning, dear Christian, that you know for certain what is waiting for you? And if we have that certainty, that hope that this is going to happen, I believe God's word. Guess what? That motivates me. That will motivate me to continue to be faithful to the Lord, to love the brethren. And to seek to obey the Lord until he comes for me, until he returns. But here it is. And then verse 5. Who, the Christians here who have been born again, received the inheritance, who are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Who are protected, or King James Version has the word kept. Who are kept by the power of God. My friend, my salvation is not based on my works or anything that I do. My salvation was bought on the cross, paid for at the cross by the blood of my Savior. And therefore, I know that I, my soul, is kept and protected by what? The power of God. Not by anything I do or anyone else does. But I put my faith and trust in the power of God to keep me saved. That I know when the trumpet sounds, he's going to come back and get me. But it's that hope. Confidence in what God says that he has reserved for me in heaven. And he's going to protect me until I get to my inheritance. Um, let me see. I need a, I need a volunteer here. I'm going to call up somebody here. Uh, Sweetheart, would you come up here? Would you come up here for a second and help me? 
Oh, thank you so much. If you would come over here. Here, if you'd come on this side. Thank you for being my helper this morning. And if you turn around, can you tell everybody your name? Allie. This is Allie. Okay. Now, Allie, I'm going to give you something. Okay. I'm going to give you something. And if you just hold on right here, let me get it out. This is my checkbook. Oh, or our checkbook, my wife and I. Okay, so this is, you've heard of, you heard of a bank, you know what a bank is. What is it, what does a bank do? It holds anyone's money, for example. Yes, right, Allie, that's right. And so, so this is connected, this, uh, we have a bank account in a certain bank, okay? Now, I'm going to write out a check to you. Now, how do you spell your name? A-L-L-I-E. And how do you spell your last name? R-O-D-R-I-G-U-E-Z. G-U-E-Z? No. Easy. Rodriguez. Allie Rodriguez. There it is. Is that right? Okay. Your name's on the check. Have you ever gotten a check before? Okay. She hasn't got one. Okay. All right. Let me put down here. Five. Not hundred. Five dollars. Okay. Okay. All right. There we go. We're going to write this out. I'm writing a check out to you for $5. Okay. Now, here is the check I'm giving to you. Now, do you see your name's on here? Whose else name is on here? Right there. Larry. Larry, that's me. Okay? That's Larry Griner and Sharon Griner, okay? Down at the bottom here, I put my signature, right? So I signed this check. It has to be signed by the person who has the bank account. So I want to give this to you. Do you believe that there's money in this bank that I'm from the check I'm going to give you? Do you think there's money in there or do you think I'm just pulling your leg? I think there is money in there. You do? Yes. Why do you think that? How can you believe me? Because I know you wouldn't um, be, I know, um. I wouldn't trick you? Yeah, I know you wouldn't, you wouldn't trick me. She believes in me that I wouldn't trick her. And oh, Allie, how often it's so easy it is to think that God says, Maybe he's tricking me. Maybe it's not real. Maybe what he's reserved for me in heaven isn't, isn't what he said it would be. Well, Allie believes that this money's in the bank, and I have signed this check, and here it is for you. Thank you. Do you have your own bank account? Um, 
Oh, that's okay. You don't have to answer that. But, but if you don't, give it to mom and dad, okay? They will put it in their bank, and they'll give you the $5, okay? Give her a hand. Didn't she do fantastic? Thank you, Allie. You may sit down. God bless you. Oh, thank you, Allie, so much. I want to close with this. And uh, again, uh, we'll just read the last few verses in closing. But this is the part I want you to take with you. Here's God's checkbook. And he promised, he wrote it. He wrote it. And it's signed with the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ himself. My salvation, my inheritance is promised to me from God's holy word. And if I don't believe this and everything in here, I'm going to be like a ship tossed on the ocean. I'm going to be lost. I have to stand firm in my faith And my trust, my hope is in this book and in the one who wrote it. The one who owns a cattle on a thousand hills. And he saved me. He saved you if you're a believer today. And you are given eternal life. It's been promised, reserved for you, an inheritance in heaven. Would you believe it? Hold on to that wonderful truth. Believe that he alone has given these promises and God has never broken a promise and never will. Really quickly here at the end of verse, uh, the last few verses of uh, Colossians here, I want you to look with me as we just finish reading. Colossians 1 and look at the rest here. Then... Verse 6 through 8, which has come to you, the gospel, just as in all the world also, is constantly bearing fruit. The gospel constantly bears fruit, and it's increasing, even as it has been doing in you. The church has been a lighthouse. The gospel has been going forth from this little church in Colossae. The gospel is going forth from Jonestown Bible Church ever since it was founded. Also, since the day you heard of it, the gospel, and understood the grace of God in truth, just as you have learned it from Epaphras, there's his name again, the one who founded the church, we believe, just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow bondservant, who is a faithful servant of Christ on our behalf, and he has informed us of your love in the Spirit. There it is, Paul says. I heard from Epaphras about you, church. I heard of your faith. I heard of your love. And why are you so strong in your faith and love? It's because you are believing in the hope that was given to you through the gospel. The hope that God has great things prepared for you and has a promised land. Hold on to that, dear Christian. Let's pray together. With our heads bowed this morning before the Lord. Perhaps you've come this morning, dear Christian, with a heavy heart. With, you felt torn and tossed. Maybe your faith has been shaken recently. 
And you've heard some things that don't seem to match what you've heard from God's word before. Satan wants to grab the seed, snatch it away so that you might have the doubts and doubt God. Dear Christian, would you now, right now, this morning, cling to the living hope that you've been given? Believe it. Believe in God's promises. Believe in what he has promised you, that he has given you everlasting life. He has saved you and he has forgiven your sins and he has put you in the family of God forever and ever. You've been sealed there, reserved by his power, kept by his power. And there one day you will receive your inheritance. Hold on to that, Christian. Go back to the word of God and believe it with all your heart. If you're here without Christ this morning, you've never trusted Jesus as your savior, you need to do it right now because your soul is at stake here, whether it's heaven or hell after you die. If you've never given your heart to Christ, would you do it right now? It's just by faith, believing in him to save you, believing what he did on the cross, that he's a son of God who died for your sins and rose from the dead. If you're ready to trust him, pray with me now. Pray this simple prayer of faith. Pray along with me quietly in your heart. Say, dear Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I'm sorry for my sin. I believe you died on that cross for me. You took the punishment for my sin. Come into my heart right now. Wash my sins away. I receive you today as my very own savior. Thank you for dying for me and rising from the dead, Lord Jesus. And with head still bowed, if you gave your heart to Christ, you are now a child of God. Your sins have been washed away by the blood of Christ. You have been born again spiritually. Welcome to the family of God. Heavenly Father, thank you for any decisions made. And may we leave here, Lord, standing upon the blessed hope we have in Christ. And Father, keep us from wavering. Help us to believe every promise until Jesus comes back. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.